Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Something Private, the podcast. Our podcast is about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and of course the society. My name is Nicole and I will be your producer and your host. Our topic for today is masturbation and the libido. So we want to talk about things such as how normal is masturbating? Is it harmful or are there any health benefits? What the fuck is a libido? Should I feel ashamed for feeling horny? Is this an act that we should be discussing about more openly? And how should we be talking about masturbation anyway? I am a masturbator. I never thought I'd publicly announce this, but it took me a while to get comfortable with telling people that I do in fact masturbate. So I think it happened the first time when I was about 13 and I had done it with a shower head. Long story short, I was bathing and I was trying to wash my vagina areas, which all of you ladies should do, except just with water and not vaginal wash because the vagina is self-cleansing. Anyway, I had sprayed the stream of water directly onto my clitoris and I it like triggered a sensation that I had never felt before and it was a good, it was a good one so you know it was interesting, I was like hmm, hey you know like this, this feels good it feels like something that no one has ever told me that you know if I did that this would happen and therefore it was new and foreign and like exciting and I was like ooh like what is this and after that one time, I kept on going back to do it. And I think the thing about masturbation is that it's quite instinctive. So if you set out to do something, you know that you are working towards an end goal. And so I kept working and working and working in the subsequent showers that I took. Until finally one day, I achieved what I thought was my first ever like mini orgasm. All by myself. Except I didn't know that there was an orgasm, first of all. And second of all, I didn't know that what I was doing was masturbating. You see, the difference here at this point of time is that it's not that I didn't know what masturbating was. I just never knew that girls masturbated. So I thought that, you know, only boys masturbated and girls, we just, we just, we just, we just don't. Apart from the pleasurable sensation that came along with the experience, the other thing that came out of it, which was by far more overwhelming than the pleasure, was this sense of shame and guilt that I felt. I felt like I had a dirty little secret that I could never tell anyone. Like it was one of those things that you bring to a grave with you. You'd be lying on your deathbed, you know, with your husband at 80, holding his hands and they'll be asking you any last words and you won't even say, I'm a masturbator because like, you're like, yes, I'm finally dying with this secret. You know what I mean? Who knew several years later I'll be here declaring this out loud. Ha <laughs> ha. But anyway, I think the reason why I had felt that way was because I only thought boys masturbated and therefore, if I masturbated, it would mean that I was a perverse boy who liked girls. I don't know, if nobody had ever taught me about it, nobody ever had a conversation with me, I guess these assumptions are not unfounded. So I'm a firm believer that masturbating has to be talked about because the reality is that people like we do it all the time and whether you believe it or not there are health benefits to masturbating and like doing it regularly but in moderation of course today i have with me dr angela tan she is a doctor specializing in sexual medicine and she'll be sharing with us some of her sexpert tips hi dr angela nice to meet you hi nicole and um whoever's hi. listening very thankful for you to be here today and for for you to agree to share with us about your experience and some of your thoughts so Tell us about yourself. Okay. I have been trained as a doctor no more than 10 years ago. I've been practicing since then. I'm also a life coach by training. I call myself an intimacy coach. Uh, so I can actually have the 
the, the space to handle people who are having relationship issues as well. So what really brought me onto this topic was as a doctor, I'm seeing patients who have issues in the bedroom mm-hmm. and they don't know, know who to approach and even how to handle those issues. So I started a search and I found very little information and mm-hmm. very little help that I can refer to. And just giving a thought, okay, since there isn't enough people doing it, maybe I should do it. And that started my journey of sexual coaching. Um, so I think it's really interesting when I was trying to do this topic on masturbation mm-hmm. and I had tried to look online for sex coaches, sexologists, yeah. and like Dr. Angela, she's like one of the, I don't know, four or five in Singapore yeah. or less than that, yeah. that are around and like is not a shock to me. It's just, it seems like it's a really new area, it is, it is, it is. right? That mm-hmm. like, we are still discovering as a mm. country and mm. a society. So back to the whole idea of masturbation being associated with shame and guilt. Let's start off today's podcast with exploring the history behind the term masturbation and how a word for self-pleasure grew to have such a dirty and bad association with it. Um, I guess masturbation really hit a highlight of negativity in the 1700s mm. where it was described as a disease. Mm. Like people who were masturbating too often were deemed to have psychological issues and were even put onto the electric chair to shock their brain waves into being normal again. Mm, that's so fucked up. <laughs> I guess it got to do with like virginity was actually viewed as a virtue. Mm. So anything that disrupt that virginity is deemed as inappropriate. Mm. So having premarital sex, masturbation, or having extramarital affairs, sex was only available for people who are formally married. Mm-hmm. And Between it was opposite genders. <laughs> and then um it was meant as a way of procreation. Anything that is non-sex between a couple is deemed as a no-no. Mm. I guess it's where the whole like negative connotation began. It was only in the 1972 that the American Medical Association declared that masturbation is a normal act. Before that, you know, because when you are describing a disease, you need to have a criteria. Okay, you hit this criteria, A, I B, see. and C, is therefore a disease. So masturbation was deemed as a disease prior to that. So what was the year again? 1972. Wow. So it's only pretty recent. Yeah, it's less than 50 years. Yeah, yeah. It's less than 50 years. Yeah. So for the good part of history, masturbation was a disease. Yes. Actually, now we live in an era where it, it's good. If not, I would be like burned alive or something. I'll be considered someone that's infected, you know. Despite the upgrade from having a status of being a disease, in reality today, as a, as a girl, a woman, if you confess that you masturbate or yeah. you, know, you hint at it, it means that you have a sex drive, which means that you are horny or slutty because if you have a sex drive, it means that you want to sleep with everybody, One, yeah. right? Yeah. So mm. I guess that's like the whole connotation of it being shameful, you know? Yes, yes. Mm. I mean, like what we said earlier on, you know, virginity was deemed as a virtue that a woman should have. So the shame haven't left our generation. And another thing is the modern association between masturbation and loneliness. If you masturbate, then you are somebody who lacks like love or mm. you have no partner because there's nobody to be intimate with and you only can get rid of that feeling like by urges yourself. by yourself. Yeah. Correct, correct. Because like, you know, masturbators are, uh-huh. are painted in this very sad and lonely. Yeah, like a loser or something, right? Correct, like yeah. a lonely person. And like, you know, so you tell people you masturbate, they're like, ooh, loser. That also ties in with the whole feeling of guilt. You know, when you masturbate, it's like you're doing something dirty and you can't really, really control your urges, you know? And also, like, you're talking about how, like, you know, thoughts of masturbation could be viewed as, like, an extramarital affair as well. Yeah, I mean, well, when people masturbate, they may not be thinking of partners. They may be looking at porn, for example. Mm-hmm. And they're as though you're having sex with a, someone who is not your partner. Mm. So some people may view it as a way of having an extramarital affair. How about you? Do you think you think that way? Uh, No. <laughs> 
<laughs> so do you think it's like normal or like it's not normal or is it really like it depends on you that kind of thing it is alright to have fantasy I mean can you imagine you're e- eating a plate of char kway tiao but you're thinking of carrot cake and then somebody say you're shameful how can you be thinking of carrot cake when eating char kway tiao mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair right I mean I'm still eating like the food right that I yeah. bought yeah <laughs> I'm committed I guess my next question is you know um in your experience mm-hmm. and like your knowledge where mm-hmm. in like Singapore or Asia like where are we now in terms of like accepting this this act are we have we progressed how are we as a society responding to self-love this kind of self-love yeah so at an individual level I do see a progress but as a society in general I guess we are not quite there yet after all and if you look at sexual education in our local context we are still very much focused on abstinence as a way of educating our younger generation yeah I think for me I've, I I grew up not remembering like anything from sexual education except for you know to not have sex and to stay away from it because it will give you an STD or, or an unwanted pregnancy I don't remember any being taught about the anatomy of my body or like mm. And I remember, like, in school, mm-hmm. it was this mass assembly of yeah. boys and girls. And then they just, like, flash some really nasty photos of, like, an STD. And right. they, like, don't have sex. You know, unwanted pregnancies. And you're like, oh, I'm scared. But, like, yeah. at the same time, I'm not taking this seriously because I'm never going to have sex. Because I don't know how to do it in the first place, right? Okay, okay. The only idea you're getting away from is sex is bad. Mm. Sex is harmful. It has undesir- undesirable at and outcomes that you want to avoid. And what kind of repercussions does that So have? even though when a couple is married and they start having sex, the whole 10 years or 20 years of indoctrination of that sex is bad, sex is harmful is going to persist. I want to say that like this abstinence sex ad has manifested in a way that I'm not sure like if anyone anticipated it to manifest. But you know, simple things like no, like for us women we don't know that there are more ways to climax than just penetration and I think for me it was only through like my own exploration through masturbating that I realised that I can orgasm without having a penis inside me really self-sufficient sis you know at that point of time I, I still thought that I was a weirdo for climaxing through clitoral stimulation but I learned later on that actually it's more common than not for women to come through clitoral stimulation rather than penetrative sex. I think the reason why I had thought the inverse was true was because of societal's portrayal of sex in like movies, in books, and even in pornography especially actually. And back then the whole idea of like cunnilingus was like unheard of, you know? Yeah. So as I got more and more involved in this sexual coaching thing, you know, more questions came to my head so I wanted to do a couple of surveys to kind of verify whether were my assumptions appropriate so I started going around asking people why do you want to have sex? and it was interesting that um, when I interviewed guys they, they say that you know sex is good when I can finish and to the women sex is good when there was no pain mm. so there is a major discrepancy about how men and women view sex and how they should come out feeling come out of it feeling like and there was an interesting study that looked at um, the number of orgasms the male and the female gender have in relationships. The orgasm gap. So a male typically have an orgasm more than 90% of the time. Whereas on contrary, women in heterosexual relationships have orgasm about 60% of the time. I was reading this very popular R21 thread on this microblogging platform called Dewey. It was really popular like two years ago where all the girls would go on there and spill the tea on their sex lives under like an anonymous username. Lah. And many of them would say things like, 
oh, I only felt good when I could make my man feel good or I want to work on giving him better, like, head and stuff like that. And it was not just, like, one girl, it was, like, many girls. And the connotation that I got was that they're more focused on, you know, their partner's own sexual needs rather than their own. So in that sense, studies have shown that um, abstinence sexual education which is what we have in Singapore, Singapore right now, mm-hmm. um, it's not as effective as, on the other hand, holistic sexual education, where they talk about sex positivity, mm-hmm. where they talk a lot about consent taking. They talk about respect for a person's body and each other's boundaries that way. So I guess um, to sum it all out, uh, sex positivity is important and we have to start from young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Recognising that sex is part of life and not a taboo is going to be important in terms of education. I think the next question, I guess, mm-hmm. comes about how, like, do you think Singaporeans or, like, our society is ready mm-hmm. for a change in the sex education? Um, I guess it's probably not yet at this point in time. After all, in order to maintain the democracy that we have and the peace that we have among the different religions and cultures, you can't just throw something and expect everybody to go by it. But where I can see things start to change is if newer generation of parents we start to embrace sexual positivity as a start, that might change things. And for yourself, Doctor, I, I know that you, you know, you have like a, a young baby, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe you can tell us like what some of the ways that you will be bringing up your doctor in a more like sex positive environment. How, how I guess, how should we do it? As a very, very um, general rule, I guess the first thing as parents is that we should view sex as something that is normal and to actually avoid... Um, looking at sex as a big shameful thing, something embarrassing, something shameful. So very, very first thing is to be able to label body parts as it is. So this is the nose, this is eyes, this is your arms, and this is a penis. All in the same tone, all in the same way, with a similar neutrality in all. So that we do not over-focus around something that's embarrassing or taboo that will start to normalise things. It's about removing like the hypersexualization of... Totally. Our private parts, right? Yeah. Right. I remember I grew up, you know, knowing that my vagina is called the pepe. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, mine was other things. I can't remember. Like, yeah. So, so the private parts, um, if everybody actually knows, it has, it's the only body part that has tons of nicknames across all cultures. That's right. And that kind across of sh- all cultures, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then that shows um, how shameful or how embarrassed we are in terms of naming it. Will you start teaching your daughter about self-pleasure? And when do you think it's like appropriate? Um, so it's to understand that even child as young as 2 and 3 years old, they start to explore your own bodies. Okay, so first thing is to actually normalise that and it's okay to feel good about touching your different body parts. That's the whole thing about normalising. Not just... Not just getting into those areas. Mm-hmm. But okay, you know some people will enjoy their feet being tickled. Mm. Or the neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's to make everything in the same tonality. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast, Stitcher, Anchor, Castbox, and many more. We want to keep having more conversations about female health, but we need you guys to be involved. Share this episode or podcast series with your friends, family, or anyone with a vagina, essentially. Be sure to join our Telegram channel and Instagram page at somethingprivatepod. We also have a Facebook group that's full of exciting, great information. You can find us at Where Are The Girls That Will Talk About Their Vaginas? That's at somethingprivatepod. Drop me a DM or start a thread on Facebook. Let's keep on having these conversations out loud. If you look at it, um, there's way more research uh, done for men's health 
than for women's sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of number of papers published, um, different topics research, um, the extent of the treatment available. I mean, we have heard of Viagra all the time. But have we heard of something equivalent for females? Actually, no, I, I don't know. Is, is there? No, there isn't. <laughs> I mean, people have tried to treat um, low sexual libido for females with I've test- seen a lot of that. testosterone. Mm. But I don't think that's the way because you have to look at what's really causing the low libido. Wait, I'm sorry. They try to treat low libido, libido for women with testosterone. testosterone. Yeah, because they do that for men, you see. But women don't need... Their- I mean, I mean, testosterone is associated with that masculine, the drive. I see. Yeah. We, we keep thinking, you know, from young mm-hmm. age that women don't have sex drives. It goes yeah. back to the whole masturbation thing. Yeah. If you have sex drives, you are considered oh, yeah. slutty. slutty. Yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. I was reading this article mm. um, about this ex-journalist who had written a book about mm. female sex drives. And it was published very recently, like 2013 or something. And okay. apparently, it revolutionised like how people think about sex drives for women. And mm. he was saying that you know, actually, whatever we thought about women not having sex drives and men having stronger sex drives mm-hmm. than women is wrong. And actually, females are capable of, like, a much higher sex drive than men. And the reason for that is because, you know, like, we never knew because mm. our counterparts were mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. not as good as bringing that out. <laughs> or, okay. like, I okay. guess, like, we were oppressed. We couldn't, we couldn't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, in research papers, um, sex drive in females is deemed to be lower supposedly mm. as well but in the day-to-day context we do see that there's couples where the females has got higher sex drive as in for for, for you lah right yeah on an anecdotal basis mm. so I wouldn't say that gender is the only thing that determines sex drive mm. but also the situation mm. so if for example a man a married man you know is the sole breadwinner he was so stressed up at work he come back and the house is kind of in a mess, the kids have been running around, the kids are screaming and shouting at each other, and then the wife is nagging at him, how could he possibly have a sex drive? Adding on to that, it's like how, you know, like sex drive is not just like this animalistic like quality. It's about everything else, like Correct. about your body, yeah. your mind, whether yeah. you're psychologically in tune mm. with it exactly yeah. your environment so you're mm. talking about like him coming back to a messy house and stuff like that right yeah the body mind and soul thing mm. is super mm. apparent for me and mm. I think for women especially because mm. we have like periods and everything right it's like uh, like before my period comes I definitely will feel more horny okay, okay. compared to like when my period comes I'm like oh my god don't touch me you know right, right and like right. after that I'm like a bit like eh, you know but <laughs> okay. like there's definitely peaks for some women who mm. Let's say during their period, mm. like they feel a higher sex drive. Okay. Could be also because of the fact that you know that like when you see your period blood is red. Red is like a color of like passion. Desire. Yeah, so they feel a bit more like maybe like I guess like more riled up by it. So everything really depends from like person to person. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, as you said, you know, it's environment is the way we perceive things, and then it's how we think about sex that really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but let's not forget there's a group of people who are asexual. That's right. Uh, let's not make them wrong as well. Mm-hmm. It's totally normal if you do not have a sex drive and you're not keen mm. to be involved in sex. That's normal, it's normal. too. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I totally 100% agree. Yeah. One of the things that people and me personally are, are advocates for masturbation for um, what they have said is that mm-hmm. masturbating makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like satisfied. Yeah, because of the chemicals that are being produced during masturbation or orgasm. We talk about dopamine. So mm-hmm. dopamine is one of the chemicals that respons- responsible um, for focus, for concentration, for motivation. When that is released, you feel like, oh, I feel so motivated about 
life right now it feels so good I'm ready to bring on more things mm. and so then, like a general positivity yeah 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 of how things are and then um, there's also endorphins endorphins are seen as pain relief uh, hormones and chemicals that give you the feel good the pleasurable feeling mm. okay and then we have oxytocin uh, oxytocin are chemicals that's also release the body during intimacy that is responsible for bonding so what you're saying is that like oxytocins allow you to have like let's say in a in a yeah. context where I'm masturbating right it's like it, it makes me feel more confident yourself. yeah mm-hmm. more sure more mm-hmm. I guess like, I, I know how to love myself yeah a bit more yeah that bonding mm. when I present this point on like pleasure mm. you know masturbating makes you feel good mm. as like a yes for masturbation mm-hmm. a lot of people who are naysayers right they always tell me oh like you are somebody who likes like instant gratification like a person who's a pleasure seeker la, basically right, in right, life right. I'm like a pleasure seeker and like the impression to me I feel like there's a lot of other things so I think one of them is masturbating can also be like a remedy for like menstrual cramps and okay, I've read okay, this a okay. lot online they're like you know if you ever have like a very bad menstrual cramp just masturbate it will go away or like it would, it would significantly like oh, I mean remember we talk about endorphins mm-hmm, being something mm-hmm. as a pain relief mm-hmm. and that's where it comes from if you're masturbating during a period cramp um, the endorphins release will help to mediate the pain that you're feeling I see so it's like a a pain relief chemical yeah so instead of taking Panadol yes you took endorphins that were produced by yourself wow ladies talk about self-sufficient another benefit mm. is that you know mm. masturbation really helps you to get to know yourself better. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And like, by extension, I can tell my sexual partner what I like, what yeah. I dislike. If I know what I like, mm. and like, I can tell my partner, mm. that kind of improves our relationship, I don't know. And the communication, the openness around it. So, mm-hmm. um, in a more established relationship, what we are always looking at is how to deepen the connection. Mm-hmm. If you actually know what it feels good, and what can help you reach a state of climax, for example, and you can articulate that or guide your partner through, your, your, your partner is going to feel less lost. Like, where am I supposed to touch? How fast am I supposed to go? Mm. Is it supposed to be one finger, two finger, etc, etc? What's going to help my partner feel good? So instead of your partner feeling lost and stressed and anxious about the whole thing, if you can give him or her some tips about how to do it better, I guess it just helps with the whole process of enjoyment. And that only happens if you know what you like first. Um, and yes. the only way to do it is... To touch yourself, correct? Totally. I read when you masturbate mm. for for women, mm-hmm. you know, specifically, it what it does is that because you know when you feel aroused, mm. you secrete mm. like some arousal fluids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like these arousal fluids will pick up like any bacteria in your cervix and mm. then like when it comes out as like vaginal discharge mm-hmm, or anything, mm-hmm. all the bacteria gets flushed out and therefore yeah. it's like a faster way of flushing out like mm-hmm, the bacteria. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after all in, in the body, the body is um, capable and competent of cleaning up itself mm-hmm. within the system. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, day to day, most women do have regular secretions that are entirely normal. Which is like discharge, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we don't know. It, it's a could be? Yeah, maybe. And I guess mm. it, it, it's because there's not enough research, know, research right? <laughs> in this area. <laughs> a problem, guys, listening. Okay, so that's cool, that's cool. One more fairly obvious like benefit to mm-hmm. masturbating is the fact that it's a good way of acting on your sexual desires without mm. getting the risk of getting an STD or like an unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on a bit about the whole idea of addiction and over-masturbation because I feel like this is often an argument used against mm. um, acting on your sexual desires. So okay. people be like, don't masturbate because like, what if I get addicted or like what mm. if I over masturbate? You know, mm. there's a and I think this is very legit and mm. serious concern. So maybe mm. you can share mm. a bit mm. about your views. Okay, so um 
over masturbation is like okay we only consider masturbation or any activity of sort as an addiction when it's already interfering with your day-to-day life mm. so if you can't sleep if you can't work if you can't eat and you're just masturbating all day then you got a problem but you, if you're masturbating at a certain frequency and your daily life still progress you still have intimate relationship with the person that you love and your relationship with i guess that's fine how should i like let's say i have suspicion or like mm. if there's a listener out there who suspects that they might be addicted how how what are the barriers to testing that okay so there's um a case questionnaire that is often used for people with alcohol addiction or all sort of addiction okay mm-hmm. it goes like um cage c-a-g-e so c stands for do you ever feel like you should cut down on this okay a is are you angry or annoyed by the fact that you have this activity that you're constantly doing or engaging in? Okay, uh, G stands for guilt. Do you feel guilty about this particular action? And E stands for eye opener. Do you have to do it the moment you wake up? Hmm. So if you fulfill this questionnaire, you're likely having an addiction issue and that's where you should actually seek um, expert opinion or some assistance that way. Yeah. What if like I think one out of the four. Does that count as like I'm addicted? Like it's know? like uh, no borderline cases. Okay. Um, it's also important to know what's the basis behind addiction. So addiction is postulated to be a way of filling our void of disconnection. Mm. So perhaps a person should look into are they in any way disconnected from their lives, disconnected mm. from people around them, and is there anything that they are trying to derive pleasure from? that is missing their day-to-day lives. Because mm. if you're enjoying your lives in various, various ways, you're not going to spend your whole 24-7 in the bedroom pleasurizing yourself, right? There'll be so much more things to do. So what you're saying is that, like, the act of masturbation mm-hmm. is quite separate from addiction itself. Like, addiction is yeah. a result of something else rather than... Correct, because, like, correct. I'm so... I like the activity so much. Yeah, it's, it's not that. Like, the it's, pleasure is so good that, like, I no, keep doing there, it, No, there's right? an indulgence in it because there is a... So, addiction is essentially a, a state where we try to fill a void hmm. in, our, in us. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not interfering with your day-to-day life as a baseline, hmm. we're going to say that it's fine. I mean, we're not going to restrict couples like, oh, you should have sex at least once a day. If not, you're abnormal. Yeah. And if anyone is having sex five times a day, you are such a sinner. Yeah. Okay? And then if you're having sex only once a year, you're a loser. You're not going to do that, right? <laughs> it's true. It's like their own business, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, all you listening out there, it means that um, it's really up to you. Don't let anyone dictate mm. how often you should be masturbating, right? Mm. Or whether, or like worry that you are overdoing it or underdoing it. I mean... Mm, I mean, as long as you're not injuring yourself in any way. Correct. Um, correct. Damaging yourself, you know, like breaking your skin, you know, that kind of thing. Like, let's keep it healthy that way. Mm. Um, I guess at the end of the day, I just want to say that masturbation is an act that some people do engage in and some people don't. So whether you are in it or not in it, whether how often you are in it, don't make yourself right or wrong about that. Um, the important thing is, do you know how to love yourself? Do you know how to find pleasures in life? The way that excites you, that makes you happy, that you can enjoy life in all of this domain without being ashamed of any area of it. Cool. Okay, so I think, like, in general, the podcast has been a lot about self-love mm-hmm. and less about, like, masturbating. Yeah. Like, masturbating is good. It's more like, really love yourself and, like, listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Correct? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. What getting, getting in tune with it, understanding it, respecting it. Understanding what you want, your yeah. needs, and responding yeah. accordingly, right? Yeah. And everything in moderation, guys. Chocolates yeah. included. Chocolates included. <laughs>
Good to have once in a while. Okay, so I think this is it for our masturbation episode. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Angela. We really appreciate all the insightful things that you have shared with us. And yeah, like if you guys have any questions for Dr. Angela, you can always reach out um, to me on Instagram or Facebook and I'll relate to her. I think she'd be happy to... Oh yeah, I'll, I'll love um, to hear yeah. um, what are the common questions that people have and perhaps we might do another podcast on it. Exactly. This is just part one of masturbation, guys. Totally. There's a lot of things to talk about, okay? Like for example, how to masturbate. Very important also, okay? <laughs> we'll be talking about that in subsequent episodes. So stay tuned. Bye. And bye. Have bye. a great day. Tune in every Thursday for new episodes on our podcast.